that. Thank you, sir. God bless you, man. Awesome. Great, great. Hey, turn in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We are going to we're going to study, we're going to keep studying my brother's keeper. We're going to also kind of land the plane next week on that idea as well. And uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, that's what we're going to back up to today. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. How many of you have ever dealt with anger? Does it make you angry that I ask? <laughs> Does it make you angry that I ask? Right? Yeah, okay. We've got an altar up here for liars. If, if you've not uh, come to the conclusion that you've never dealt with anger, um, if you've been on this planet for a while, any amount of time, angry uh, spirit, angry, uh, an angry spirit, an angry attitude can contaminate, get inside of you. Before you know it, it's, uh, it's becoming something of an epidemic. It's something that is constantly your go-to. Instead of responding, perhaps in love, uh, anger is the way that you respond. Let me flip it around. How many of you deal with angry people every day? Maybe at work or whatever else? So if you're wondering where all that comes from, and maybe how to tackle that this morning, I've got good news for you from God's Word. Before we dive in, I want to kind of give you a setup of what I'm going to teach this morning about the duality of Cain and Abel. The story is a duality. It is showing us something about how to live, how to live our lives in a world where we might be disappointed. We might be discouraged, but we don't allow that to turn into a reactive anger, okay? There's two boys, and these boys' names, I taught you, you their names last week, tell us a lot about how this story works. One's name is Cayenne. Uh, in Aramaic, in Hebrew, it means to acquire. It means to get. It means to get something, to go look for something and try to get it. The other name is Abel, Abel, where the Greek word would be Abel, right? We, we know these stories, but not as deep as I think we should. You see, Abel, he, his name means spirit or breath. It means to give. It means to release. So there's two ways of living in this world. There's getters, right? And there's givers. Anger comes from a place in a person's soul where they are not whole. There's something missing. And so they go to people around themselves, right? And they're looking to try to fill that hole with something. It could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be food, it could be relationships. I don't have peace, so I'll take it from you. Or I'll try to find it and acquire it from this world. The other side of that duality is, I'm so full and my soul does not have a hole. <laughs> That's actually where we're going to land the plague. The hole in the soul. My soul is so full that I'm able to give. I'm able to give from the Spirit. I'm able to give from my life because I recognize that there are people around me that need to receive. This is why Jesus taught that it is better to give, come on, than receive. He's saying choose the spiritual path. God is a spirit and he's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. If we're not careful, we'll approach God with a Cain spirit. God, what can I get from... If we're not careful, we'll come to church with a Cain spirit. What can I get from this service? What can I get from that pastor? What can I get from the people around me? Nobody said hi to me today. Nobody encouraged me today. I think I'll find a church where I can get that. That works for a little while until God puts you in a position to where you must become spiritual immature and whole and so if we don't get what we're looking for in life we get angry i'm going to put it to you another way this morning um there's a snickers commercial that's gone on uh for a little while and uh I i've got a few right here somebody can help me in that commercial oh you can help me already okay i see okay so help me out what's the commercial all about 
You don't know. You just want one. Okay, there you go. There you go. See, I'm a giver, right? Don't, don't say I never gave you anything. I, I just did, okay? So the commercial is all about this. When you're hungry, you're hangry. And then you're not what? Yourself. You, you know why you're not yourself? Because, <laughs> right, Luke, because you're hungry, right? Suddenly, as I pass by him with a candy bar, he goes, I know. I know what it is. You're not yourself because you're hungry. And so we've kind of adopted a brand new word. I don't think it's in the dictionary yet, but that brand new word is hangry. We're hangry because, and we're emoting because there's something empty inside. There's something inside that's not full. What needs to be there? Somebody help me out. Jesus. God. Right? And what about Jesus? What does he have that can fill us inside? His spirit. Love. Watch this. Love. Joy. What else? Who said peace first? I think it was Mr. Miller. I know he did it. Can you tell? Hey, how you doing, my friends? God bless you. Hey, good morning. Hello. Um, Could you pass that back to Mr. Miller? Wouldn't that be nice? And then look, I have one right here. It's you can divide it. Look at that. That's for two people. There you go. You're welcome. Welcome this morning. God bless you. Hey, you've come to the right church. We pass out Snickers bars here. The Hebrew word for soul is nephesh. Say it with me. Nephesh. It means needy man. That's what it means. It means the part of you that I need, I need, I need. And if you don't get it, your needs met the way you think that they need to be met, you get hangry. So there's a part of you that has a need. And only God can fill that part of you. And only God can make that part of you whole. When you're whole, you beat anger. Are you with me? And the reason why you're dealing with somebody that is constantly or habitually angry is because they don't know they can be whole. The most insecure people on the planet are angry all the time. Because they have a fear that what's inside will never be made whole. So they project that out onto you. But they don't start with you. The sermon's going to help us this morning. They actually start with themselves. They're angry with themselves. And then they're angry with God. Hello? And then they're angry with you. Come on. So you're at the back of the train. You're at the caboose. I know it feels like you're up front with the locomotive and it's all hot and smelly with this person all the time and there's a flame and what's going on with this whole thing. Remember, that person is empty inside. Remember, that person has a hole in their soul and they're looking for some way to fill it. They've been angry with the outcome of life. Now they're angry with God. Next, they're angry with you. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve's wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. She bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Hallelujah. Amen. Pray with me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, help us to understand that you have made all things whole. God, help us to understand that you have made all things good. God, as a result of the fall, as a result of sin, all things are not whole and good. Lord, evil is not a thing. Hatred is not a thing. Lord, help us to understand that anger is not a thing. They are the absence of a thing. Come on, come on, come on. God, help us to get that revelation this morning. The absence of love is anger. The absence, God, help us to get this today. The absence, God. Of peace is fear. Help us to get it, God, that the absence, God, of your joy in our heart is hatred. These things are the lack of a thing and not a thing themselves. We give you the praise and thanks for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Last week we talked about this. We know that uh, Abel was a keeper of the sheep. Nobody had ever kept sheep before. This is a first. I want you to understand that later Hebrews talks about Abel's sacrifice in that he had not only an occupation, 
but also had sacrificed in a way that took complete faith. There was nobody to teach him how to do what he did. There were no shepherds before Abel. This is the first. And in chapter 4, there are many firsts. We see that he has no one to mentor him. However, on the other hand, brother Cain has a mentor. His father, Adam, is a farmer. There's nothing wrong with farming. We see that they both offer sacrifices, but Cain, when he offers his, he does not offer it in faith. He offers it from a position of works. Look what I did. Look what I did for my family. God, look at what I can accomplish. God, are you pleased? God was not pleased because he did not offer it in faith. The Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. I'm going to teach you today that what sin is is the absence of a thing. Yes, it is the absence of a thing. It is the absence of righteousness. No one has ever created anything but God. Stay with me. You're going to get this. Satan has never created a thing. All he can do is manipulate. You have never created a thing. All you can do is take created things and do something with created things. You have never created a thing. What is of the devil is not a thing. It is the manipulation of a thing. Come on, come on. It is the absence of a thing. God, when he created all of his creation, he said, good, 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 good. Got to the very end, and he said, very good, when he created Adam and Eve. Understand this, that God created everything good. He not only created it, he said it was good. When something goes bad, it's not something new created. It's that the good was taken out of It's that the good was taken out of the thing, and now it is evil. Evil, in its essence, is just the absence of good. When you are good, how many of you talk to people all the time? You talk to people and say, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Your face ain't showing that. Your face ain't like agreeing with your words, right? Are you good? Well, then you're whole. There's nothing missing. You have God inside of you and God has filled the hole in your soul I'm going to teach you a little bit more on this in a minute because there are atheists that you will encounter that will come against you and you're going to have to learn the apologetic of that evil is not a thing because atheists will come against you and they will say well if God is a good God then why did God who created all things create evil evil's not created it's the absence of I'll, get, I'll land the plane in a minute. You'll see. You'll see what I'm talking about. But you have been told your entire life that anger and hatred and all these other things are things. They're not things. They're the absence of a thing. When you have God and you have his peace, love, and joy, you don't have anger. Come on. You don't have anger. You don't have hatred. You don't have sin. Can I, can I just tell you something? When you are full, you're not empty. Hallelujah, isn't that a, I'm telling you what, wow, that is so profound. You know, and the worst thing in the world is to grocery shop on an empty stomach, right? So you grocery shop full, right? It says the same thing as a spiritual thing. When you're full, you don't act this way. You don't do these things. You're not falling for that temptation because you have something on the inside that's greater than the outside. Abel offers these things by faith. He has to trust in God. There isn't anybody else to trust in. He doesn't do it in his own strength. And that is part of the duality as well. Doing things in your own strength and your own gifting versus doing things just by faith and trusting God. He is not anywhere near his home when he's shepherding sheep. There's probably no shepherds in this room. But if there were, you'd understand that that is a very nomadic occupation. You don't get to stay where it's comfortable in shepherd sheep. You don't, you, you're out with the, the wild animals. You're out in the landscape. And those sheep go over wherever there's grass. And so you have to live a life where you're constantly trusting God. In spite of the circumstances and the surroundings you're in. What, are, what does most of us want to have in our life? A comfort zone. We want to have a comfort zone so that we can live our lives in a way that we can do things in our own strength. And God says... That's not sacrificial. You see, trusting in me and following me and obeying me is a walk of faith. And faith is a living sacrifice. 
You know what faith really is? Faith is when you are in the middle of something that if God doesn't get involved in that something, you will fail. That's faith. If you can do it, you wouldn't need faith. You say, Pastor, I, I, I'm, I'm walking by faith. I made it here today. There's no doubt that you could have got here today. That didn't take faith. Next thing I say, getting an amen might take faith, though. Okay, here we go. Here we go. I want you to see this. There's a pattern throughout Scripture of God choosing the person of faith, and it's, it's the person most likely, unlikely, rather, chosen. He chooses Abel rather than Cain's sacrifice. He chooses, watch this, Isaac. He's, born, he's the son born of promise, Galatians 4, uh, 22, rather than Ishmael, who was born in the flesh. How about Esau sold his birthright out, and God chose Jacob? But the biggest of the biggest, the greatest example of all, is when Paul tells us in Scripture, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, he said it's written that the first Adam was made a living soul, but the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Remember, soul, needy man. The first Adam was made from the ground in the dust. He became a living soul. But the second Adam, who is that? Jesus himself became a quickening or a life. That's quicken means life, spirit. So we see that there are two things and God wants to choose the latter. Now, you listen to that this morning and you say, I know those stories, but you're that story. Actually, that story is you. Let me explain. I'm glad you asked. Some of you are like, I didn't ask at all. You're going to hear anyway. So here's how you are part of that story. If you are here today and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, there were two times you were born too. <laughs> you were born of the flesh and you were born of the spirit and God is choosing the spirit. He's going to let the flesh go. And you have to too. You've got to let it go as well. That's the part of you that gets angry because this is a part of you that needs, that needs, that needs. And the part of you that spirit knows it has God, knows it has eternal life, knows it's full, knows it has abundance, knows it has everything that God has promised in his word. Do you understand when you really, really know everything that you have with God, you don't ever have to be angry ever again. You know why you don't have to be and live with it? I'll tell you why. Because God's got this. He has got this. And I'm getting behind him at the, at the lunch line because he's paying the bill. Right? So, as believers this morning, I want you to choose. In the duality, I want you to choose the way of Abel. Let me, let me, uh, let me break this down for you. It's not just the way of the Spirit. Abel's suffering drives him. Rather than despair, drives him to deeper and deeper trust in the Lord. And it gives us a good working definition of worship. Here it is. You might want to write it in your notes. Worship is living a life by faith that trusts in God alone. The results land you miraculously into what satisfies God. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> it's living a life by faith that trusts in God alone. The results are, watch this, Landing miraculously in what satisfies God. Notice I didn't say worship was a song. Worship was your offering. Worship was showing up on Sunday morning. Worship is a part of your life. Worship is all of your life. Live by faith. Right? And by faith, the Spirit lands you miraculously into what satisfies God. It's not whether someone offered a sheep or whether someone offered grain. It's that one offered something from his flesh and the other offered it from his spirit come on church i love what the bible says in the course of time Cain brought to the lord an offering the fruit of the ground and abel brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat portions i love the fat portions don't you i got i got people you know i love you but we'll go out to eat together and you'll order a steak so well done and I'm like, what is wrong with you? Do you understand the fat portions? You don't, even God wants the fat portions. Can I just help this congregation understand? Some of you are mad. See? And I'm preaching on anger. Can I just help you understand that God wants you to have the fat? The fat portions, people. 
Watch this. Abel offered something because his relationship with God spoke of it. Here's the relational principle. I want you to write this down. God is your first relationship above trust in any other. God is your first relationship. If you're right with God, you'll be right with yourself. If you're right with God, you'll be right with others. If you're not right with others, you're not going to be right with yourself. And you're not going to be right with God. Are you getting this? So you offer yourself to God, the fat portions. And listen, I got a lot to offer this morning. I got so much to offer the Lord. Right? And so do you. I don't, listen, I don't offer God something that just comes from a gifting or, or a talent or an ability or something I take some kind of pride in. I offer my life. And in return, I'm right with him. And when I'm right with him, I'm right with you. Oh, come on. It's just that simple. Well, why do I have a boss that's always angry? He's not right with God. Notice I said he. It couldn't have been a she, right? Because they never get angry. (laughs) Simmer down, guys. Men. (laughs) I want you to see that after they sacrificed, one got approval from God and and one didn't. I'm... uh, I'm just going to expound here a little bit. Uh, Sacrifices during that time were offered in such a way that there would be abundance. I think this was probably an offering of first fruits before the actual uh, holiday, Jewish holiday existed. What does that mean? There was uh, Passover, and then there was uh, unleavened bread, and then there was first fruits, okay? First fruits came 50 days before Pentecost. Pentecost was the harvest, First fruits was what came before the harvest. You offered the first fruits so that 50 days later you'd have a good harvest. Do you know why we tithe first, then pay our bills? It's, it's first fruits. We give God, what did Abel do? He gave of the firstlings. Of, he gave first fruits unto the Lord. He said, God, you first. My relationship with you is number one. What did Abel do? He didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He offered God what came later, right? Do I think that the harvest was blessed later? I do not. You want to know why he's angry? Because he failed. And in failure in life, we want to blame somebody. We don't want to just go, now wait a minute, I need to own this. <laughs> you know, there's, just saying, there's some things in my life that aren't going very well. Oh, I'm not going to get any friends on this one, I know for sure. It's everybody else, Pastor. <laughs> and to that, I would say, could everybody else be wrong? No thinkers in here, just stinkers. Steam coming out your, out your ears? It's just, everywhere I go, I don't get along with this person, I don't get along with that person, I don't get along with this person, and the whole world is out to get me. Like everybody had a conspiracy, got together, had a big meeting and said, let's go get him. I, I want to help you with that. You're not that important. <laughs> Neither am I. Okay? You were worth, from heaven's point of view, you were worth Jesus. Praise God. But on earth, they ain't thinking that way about you. Right? Can I just ask you a question? Have you ever looked in the mirror and, and said to yourself, maybe it's me. I, maybe it's me. Thank you, Don. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I know that you know. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I, can re- I can remember a day. I can remember a day when my pastor that trained me sat down with me. I was complaining about how my youth group was going. You know, this kid's doing that. This kid's doing that. This kid's and all these parents are doing this. And I'm just losing my mind. And my, uh, and my pastor just said, uh, maybe it's you. And I'm like, well, that's not very loving at all. You're here, to, you're here to tell me I'm right. You know, you, maybe it's you. Now watch this, watch this. I said, can, can you unpack that for me? Because I just, I just told you everything that's going wrong. And he just said, don't you know your youth group's a reflection of you? Your ministry is a reflection of you. What isn't in you won't be out there. If you're loving, they'll be loving. You're the leader. Now, it's easy for you to kind of look at me and go, yeah, that's right, buddy. That's right. I hope you took notes on that because you've got a lot of things to work out. But maybe there's something in you. 
And instead of Cain going, maybe it's me, he gets mad. Hearts ain't right, things aren't going well. It's got to be somebody else's fault. And I call that the blame game. The blame game. Start with you. Start with you and God. And if, and if there's something there, get that right. And, and that's what Jesus said. He said, you know what? Start with what's in your eye. Then you'll be able to help your brother what's, with what's in his. He didn't say don't help your brother with, you know, the mote or the, the board in his eye. He said start with the speck in yours. Right? Start, start with what's sticking out of yours. There's a little bit of a priority there. And this is, how, this is why we get angry, because we want to blame life and circumstances and everything around us. And God's saying, no, there's an emptiness inside of you because you need to start with you. That's a, that's a principle I hope we get this morning. It says, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, no regard. And so I, I sincerely believe there was this moment where uh, Cain started to compare his results to Abel. And his entire life he had heard from mom and dad, maybe I could be the chosen one. Maybe I could be the promised child. I'm the firstborn. I'm the one that's blessed. I've taken after dad. I even produce a better harvest than dad does. The ground was cursed when dad did it, but when I'm doing it, I'm reversing the curse. Maybe I'm the promise of what God gave to mama in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Maybe I'm the one, the seed. And then he realizes, I may not be the one. And then he realizes, I'm not so special after all. God seems to be blessing Abel and not blessing me. And then we get into what's called the comparison trap. We move from the blame game into the comparison trap. Well, God, look what you're doing for them. Look what, why does he get blessed? Why does he get, why is she going to get this? And God, you're not, do, why, why are you not doing for me, God? What's the, what's the problem? What, what is the deal? And the Bible says, Cain became very angry. The Bible tells us, be ye angry and sin not. It doesn't say that anger is the sin, it, but it most of the time connects anger to sin. It's what you do with that anger. And he tells Cain, listen, if you just do well, in the Hebrew, do well means come into agreement and be lifted higher. I'll say it again. Do well does not mean go out there and be perfect. It means come into agreement with me and go higher with me. In other words, the solution is higher than the problem. If you're not willing to rise above the problem, come on. You're not going to see the solution. And God says, listen, come back, come into agreement with me. Start with me, and let's get above this. Let's get above this. And that's not what Cain does. It's not what he does at all. Instead of running to God with his hurt and his pain, he runs from God. And things go downhill quick. Very quickly. Genesis 4, 5. Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. In the Hebrew there, the word countenance doesn't just mean like your face. Okay? Now, it's funny how we make that direct association. And that's close to the Hebrew meaning. Um, We look at somebody and we say, you know, your countenance is bad. I love you, but I just got to tell you. You're frumpy and grumpy. I am not. And it's all over her face, you know? It's like a big neon sign. But it's like, it's all over your face. Does your face hurt? Well, it's killing us. Come on. It's, you know, I can see it all over your face. Pani doesn't just mean face, it means presence. His presence had fell from God's presence. His presence was no longer in God's presence. And, and, and I want to teach you this this morning, okay? Even though, that, even though God is omnipresent, one of his divine attributes of omnipotence, omnipresence, om, uh, omniscient, all the things that he knows, watch this. God is unfortunately not everywhere, but he could be. You see, when sin happened on earth, there were places now and there were things now that were broken and fallen and cursed. And God's presence being everywhere is whole and good. God's presence not being somewhere is bad and evil. And he said, you, you, you've, uh, your presence has fell from my presence. Come back. L- look at the mercy of God here. 
God's not the one that did anything. God's not wrong. But he says, come back to me. I love you. I, I unfortunately hear God's voice in this. Come back to me. You know, like a Jamaican. <laughs> Used to be a commercial. I'm going to date myself. Come back to Jamaica, man. You know, come back to me. I love you. You know, I don't know how you hear God's voice, but God's voice is a Jamaican to me. Okay. All right. So pray for me. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> he says, if you do well, that word is agreement. If you do well, that word is agreement, right? And here's the relationship principle, right? When you do well with God, all things are well. This is what they spoke of of Jesus. He does all things well. Why? He was right with the Father all the time. That is the source of what stems out of everything else of your life. Because you're well with God and you're right with God, other things begin to be blessed and right. Hello. All right, so the last thing you want to hear in the middle of a catastrophe is advice, especially unsolicited advice. I don't think that uh, Cain cared at all that it came from God. Even though God had every right to give it, uh, I really am not going to take that advice. That's not what I'm going to do. I want you to eliminate my hurt. I want you to, I want you to deal with my hurt. And God's saying, listen, more than I want you to be comfortable, I want you to be holy. When you, when, you, <laughs> when, when you suffer and you go to the hospital, it's not, a, it's not a, a, a more comfortable, more comfortable, more comfortable, more. It's more discomfort, more discomfort, more discomfort. Hello. Amen. And we don't want that. But that's what it takes. Then there's rehabilitation. And then later, life gets good. But the healing process that God uses isn't going to come where you're comfortable in the way that you want it and how you want it. And Cain says, forget about that. I'm not coming back to you saying that it's me. I'd rather blame you and blame my brother. It's not my fault. Hey, I came and gave you what I had. You didn't like it. You didn't bless it. I'm mad at you. You would not believe how many people tell their pastor, me, that they're angry with God. If you're angry with God, you've gone the way of Cain. We have no right to be angry with God. Ever. Do you know who else is angry with God? Satan. Do you know how God takes out, or Satan takes out his anger with God? Not with God, because God just goes, flick. Right? He hurts you. That's the only way he can hurt him. He can't hurt him toe-to-toe and mano-a-mano. So he hurts you. Do you know what anger does? When you're not right with God, you hurt other people. You can't hurt him. So you hurt other people. It's called projection. I can't tell you how many times I've come home from work and my wife's like, you've had a bad day at work, but let me tell you something, cowboy. Stops at the door. Don't take that out. Don't bring that in here. I can tell on your face. You've had a bad day, dude. Don't you walk that into this house. I'm like, yes, ma'am. You know, know, go out like a tiger, come in like a lamb, you know. We don't. We don't project... (laughs) We don't, ah, we don't project at all, do we? No, no, we don't project at all. We don't put our anger onto someone else when we're angry with ourselves and with God. Cain did. So then he tells his brother, he says, let's, let's go out to the field. Come on, bro. Older brother here, let's go out to the field. You know, I want to talk with you. I want to have a meeting with you. <laughs> You ever get called to the principal's office? I mean, it's like, you know that's probably not going to... And back in the paddling days, I know you don't know anything about that, but I am the world's chief authority on being paddled. Okay? I knew what that meant. Come on, Glenn, let's go to my office. I knew what that meant. This is not going to be the hills where the sheep are, where he's from. This is going to be Cain. In his domain, where he's comfortable. And I can almost imagine, come on with me. Look at this. Look at this field. I gave to God too, but look, I'm not blessed at all. I look at things, they're not going for me the way they are for you. And you think you're all so special. Well, come on over to my world here. See my pain. In fact, I don't want you to see my pain. I want you to feel it. 
Because how I feel inside right now, you're going to feel it too. And he murders him. He's not right inside. He's not whole. He's empty. And he murders him. You got God. He shows back up again. And and God says to Cain, and this is kind of where we're going to land the plane, but it's a little bit philosophically deep. And I, I hope you'll bear with me for just a few minutes so that I can explain it to you. But God shows up again and God says, where is your brother? Where's your brother? God's still saying that today. To you. To me. You are, you're responsible. You're not just responsible for yourself, Americans. You know, it's my, me, my castle, my white fence. Don't come in here, you'll get shot. Some of you are like, amen. This is mine. And God says, uh, <laughs> you're responsible for your community. You're responsible for your church. You're responsible for that workplace, that marketplace. You're responsible. Where's your brother's? And Cain comes back with this. I mean, you want to talk about what a brilliant comeback. Am I my brother's keeper? All right, keeper here in the Hebrew means guardian, supplier. I want to give you a little bit more depth in what he's saying here. He's blaming God. He's saying you're his keeper. You're his guardian. You're his supplier. You blessed him and not me. Why didn't you stop me? It's your fault. I can't help myself. It all started with you, God. You know, you are going to encounter people who are going to experience broken moments in their life and they're going to want to blame God. And if you've not been there, you might have be tempted to do the same. That might happen in your life too. God, why did you allow this to happen? God, it's your fault. You're a good God. Well, if you're a good God, why do you allow bad things to happen? I got to help us with this because this is really sloppy thinking. It's really sloppy all across the board. You know, God, I, I've heard you're good and you do all things well and you're good and you're, you're wonderful and, and even your goodness even is what brings us to repentance. But God, you weren't good in this day. You know, we even come into churches and we say like, God is good all the time. It's kind of trite. Do we really mean that? Say that in the middle of a dead brother and a field that didn't produce anything and a God who does, has not given his favor on you. Say it in the middle of all that. And then God comes along and says, I need to know where your brother is. And God knows where he is. God's saying, Cain, do you know where he is? His blood's crying out to me from the ground um, all the way up until Jesus dying on the cross. There was a sound that came from the earth in the spiritual realm. Stay with me. I want you to get this, okay? There was a sound that came from Abel's blood, shouting. New Testament, Paul helps us out with that. He says that Christ, dying on the cross, shedding his blood, gives us a better what? A better word than Abel's. So all the way up to the cross, until Jesus died, Cain's Cain uh, is experiencing, we're all experiencing the earth groaning. The Bible says in the New Testament, the earth groans and and moans, waiting for the return of the the Lord to heal all this. Did you know the earth groans? The Bible tells you that. It's groaning. All creation is groaning, right? So God says, your your brother is crying out to me. His blood, why why is it the blood? See, the Bible says life is in the blood. And what what the blood represents is, is the blood is the one connection between the spiritual realm and the physical realm. When the blood in the body dies, you die. Are you understanding this? That's why offering and sacrifice had to be in blood. Because there was something on the other end of the wall, the spiritual realm, that had to be dealt with too. Not just dealing with it here, but dealing with it there. Some scholars say that it's even the generations that would have came after Abel. All of the potential. All of the future. In one act. Crying out. Until Jesus cried out. Until Jesus, in a garden, shed blood. And that blood hit the ground. Ooh. 
Woo! And now we have a greater word. It's not revenge. It's forgiveness. It's love. It's, it's healing. <laughs> Amen? So Abel is crying out to God, and Cain goes, I'm not his keeper. That was, that's your job. You should have done something about that. And I want to break down for you what that argument is really based on. It's really based on very loose ground. I want to help us out with that a little bit. Here's a word for you. Privation. Privation. This goes back to Augustine. I want you to get this, please. Some of you are like, this is too heady. This is too, we- too weighty, too meaty. No, 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 no. You're going to need this. You're going to talk to somebody who's going to blame God because God is not good. If he created all things good and God is good, then why is there bad? You got to get this. Privation. Privation is a theory of evil. It's not just a theory. It's a fact. It comes from Scripture, right? Let me explain to you what privation is, all right? Privation is the understanding that all things that are created by God are created whole. All things that are created by God are created good. That's the privation theory. And as a result of God giving man free will, man in that free will chose the absence of privation. Deprivation. Deprived. The absence of good. The absence of peace. The absence of love. Instead of having something, we have a no thing. Or a nothing. So, I want to take you through this here. Starts with Augustine and a couple of really, get, really great theologians, but here it is. The atheist says, God created all things. Evil is a thing. Therefore, God created evil. No. Not true. Let me teach you. Poverty is not a thing. It is the absence of supply. Fear and hate are not things. They are the absence of love. Sickness is not a thing. It's the absence of health. That's why we call it disease. Dis. I've got the medical people in agreement. Are you with me? Stay here. Death is not a thing. It's the absence of life. Brokenness, fallenness, emptiness are not things. They are the deprivation of things. They are the subtraction. They are the absence or the removal of a good thing. I wanted to put in front of you a donut this morning. I love donuts. I look like a donut. I love donuts. If I were to put in front of you a donut this morning, and it had a big circle in the middle, right? I would not say that the circle that's in the middle of the donut is a thing. It is the absence of a thing. What is evil? The absence of a thing. The devil never made a thing. The devil exists and is doing the absence. He's removing the good. Can I tell you how to walk in righteousness? I'm going to make it so practical for you. You add good back. You put the thing back in the thing. Come on. There's some songs written about that, but we don't have time. (laughs) What isn't there that should be there could be right or righteous, and you and I are here to act on God's behalf. He's given us His grace, His power, and His love to put back the world the way it should be, and Jesus Christ is going to come and help us do that. That's what happened at the fall. It was the removal of good from things. And we are here to bring good back to things. Can I tell you when you do evil? Evil is as simple as removing or taking. It's in the names. One gives, one takes. It's, it's putting good back. Or it's trying to take good out. Darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of light. Cold is not a thing. It's the absence of heat. Emptiness is not a thing. (laughs) God didn't create a no thing or nothing. God created all things and created all things. Come on, church. Good. So how did we get evil? It's the removal of a thing. 
You can't blame God for the removal of the things that he created good on the earth. You can't. It's not. It's, it, he didn't do it. We did it. We did it. You say, well, pastor, I got to just give you two more. I know it's time to go, but I just got to give you two more because people do this. They go insane with thinking about this. So evil is a subtractive. It's an, it's an absence of a thing. It's not a thing or substance. It, it's, it's the removal of a good thing. And because he gave us free will, then he meant for us to have good things. But he also gave us free will and gave us freedom. And the opposite of free will would be directed will. And that can't go together. You see, God didn't make robots. He made you and I with hearts that would choose him. In such a world of robots, there would be no stabbings, no hidden minefields, no abortions, no brokenness. You're not robots. People choose a no thing. Unfortunately, people choose a nothing over a something. But such a world that exists like that would not have freedom. And because you have freedom, along with God's goodness, we choose the opposite. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today. I place before you life and death, blessings and a curse. Choose life. He reminds us on what he told Cain. Sin is crouching at your door. It seeks to master you. In other words, the emptiness, the brokenness, the hole in the soul wants to rule your life. You must master it, Cain. This is after he killed his brother. You must get in control of this situation. You must give it to me make, to make you whole. Last but not least. Pastor Glenn. You say God's omnipotent, right? That means that God can do everything, right? Or anything, right? Well, can God make a rock he can't lift? I got you. I got you, Pastor. No, God cannot make a rock he can't lift because that would go against his nature. Stay with me. God can't lie either because that would go against his nature. And God can't be manipulated because that would go against his nature. And God can't, come on, and God can't die either because that would be against his nature. So there are things that God can't do. Like God can't lie to you. Like God can't stop loving you. He can't stop loving you. Oh, let me ask you, can God create square circles? No! <laughs> can he do anything contrary to his nature? No! And neither can he give you free will without your own volition to choose a no thing or evil. He can't deny himself, can't lie, can't be deceived. These are all the absence of a thing. And when God shows up, it's always the fullness of a thing. When your heart is full, you can be your brother's keeper. When your heart is full of God. All right? So here's the last relationship principle. The kingdom of heaven is things. Praise God for that. Yeah. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Not the soul. Where? Your spirit. The Holy Spirit, as it connects with your spirit. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is not a no thing. It's not the emptiness. It's not darkness. It's not any of those things. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. How much of that do you have? Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I came today hangry. I came today with emptiness in my soul. And it's because... This person, you know how many this person stories we all have? Like, line up. Line up. Take a number. This person. Let me tell you my whole story. You know what happens when somebody joins a church? I love you. Don't get mad. Especially after a whole sermon about anger. You know what happens when people join a church? They tell you that story. Do you know why? 
Because they're hurting. They're empty. And you know what the best thing we can do when somebody's feeling that way? Give them a Snickers. <laughs> Haven't I preached anything here? Pete, did I preach this or not? Did I teach it or not? Pete's like, yeah, I thought you were done. You know? <laughs> give something, put something in them. What do you got? You got the spirit of the living God. That means you got righteousness, peace, and joy. Right? The spirit, give it to them. You say, that's mine. Well, come on, Cain. Silly rabbit. The Spirit is for kids. Ain't just for you. And whatever God's put inside of you needs to be put inside of them. It's not pie in the sky. It's going to come from you. It's going to come from me. Would you stand with me in prayer? Oh, you're still, you're still smiling. That's a, good, that's a good sign. That's good. Here's what we're going to close in prayer on today. Very, very, uh, we're going to be very purposeful and intentional with this. I want, you, I want you right now to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you who you're angry with. And I want, I want, you, to, I want you to understand, whatever they did, God's filled you with more. I want you to understand it. I, I'm not here to diminish your hurt or your pain. I'm not here to say that that's, but don't make it God. Whatever they did, don't make it God. Because God has filled you with more. I want you to allow God to deal with that hurt, that pain, that emptiness. I want you to allow God to fill the void. You'll never be better. You'll never be healthy until you do. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you need to get this. This is the power of forgiveness. The power of forgiveness and the benefits are for you, not the person that hurt you. Hello. And the second thing is this. If somebody's really, really angry, I want you to ask God to show you a way. I know this is crazy. I want you to ask God to show you a way to give them what you have. To put something inside of them. To show them the righteousness, the peace, and